live on 1611am SEN Top End and the SEN app. Welcome to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Ricky Nolan this week for breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Of course, our regular Raf Clark is a little bit busy this week with work commitments. He's been a very busy man so far this wet season, but he'll be back, Raf Clark, as he always is. We have a really big show this morning with Dylan Collis from Waratah coming in. Uh, Trent Melville's going to come in, the Nycliffe Cheney medal winner, to talk about his concussion story, especially which is topical right now given the retirement of Melbourne star Angus Brayshaw yesterday. The great man Cam Milet, perhaps the best ever footballer to play in the NTFL, will join us, uh, speaking of which, Gray Morris, who recently released his top 100 players since the year 2000, which featured Ireland at number one, uh, will come in to talk about the list. Natasha Medbury will join us, as she has the last couple of weeks, to talk about the SEN Top End broadcast this weekend, which is the Pint versus Crocs elimination game, which should be a ripping contest. Andrew O'Toole will provide us with an NT racing update and plenty more. But, Ricky, without further ado, it's good to see you this morning. How's things going? All good, mate. Can't complain. Uh, happy birthday last week. Obviously, you had the big birthday bash. How did that go? Yeah, no, it all went well. A lot of people, a lot of blokes I played footy with or coach come from down south, so no, it was a, good, a pretty big week. Uh, very, very nice. And your women's team, Pint, the women's Premier League team, are flying at the moment. They are, obviously, St Mary's are an extremely competitive team, and I sort of see it as not a, maybe not a two-horse race, and I know you probably won't go and, and say that on record, but uh, judging by the results, it appears that way. Will you get down to the St Mary's Nightlift game this weekend, the qualifying final? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch a fair bit of footy this weekend, I think. Probably sit there for about eight hours watching footy, <laughs> so no, looking forward to it. No, very good. So... Where's the team placed? Talk a little bit about how the Queen Ants are looking. Uh, you've been in this position before where a team has finished on top of the ladder and they get that week off. Uh, is, it, is it really tricky uh, doing that? I know under your time as coach at St Mary's, we normally have a really strong training session on that Saturday morning and sort of replicate a game. And, and I know a couple of times there, it was a little bit unorthodox, but we'd, we'd go off for 10 or 15 minutes halfway through to sort of replicate that half-time feel and we train in the hot sun. Are you doing something similar with the Queen Ants this week or is it a different approach? Uh, always have done, Jackson, but not so much this year. We're a little bit banged up at the moment, to tell the truth. So we've just had a, this weekend. We're just having the week, the weekend off. Just got some, yeah. Just trying to get uh, full, you know, get as healthy as we can for next week. So yeah, usually do do that on a Saturday. But this is the first time I've ever finished, uh, had to buy and and not had a Saturday session. So uh, we'll just have a week off and just try to get people as fit, uh, yeah, fully fit as they can. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the women's Premier League stuff later on in the show. Are you going to get down to any of the men's Premier League games and watch that at the yeah, time? Yeah, as I said, I think there's nearly four games of footy in a row, so I might sit there and watch all four, four the, the two men's and the two women's. So there might be a... Uh, my mum's up at the moment, so she might be in for a uh, bit of a boring set, though. <laughs> Although she's a footy nuffer as well, so she won't mind. Ah, fair enough. Hey, you are a North Melbourne supporter. Um, obviously, big news during the week with Taron Thomas sacked from North Melbourne after... The AFL handed down an 18-week suspension. What was your thoughts on that? Obviously, you don't want to lose a player like Taron Thomas, or at least lose a player, the talent of Taron Thomas. But um, was it a decision that needed to be made? Do you sort of back the club in with that one? Yeah, I think they had to... Uh, from looking from the outside, it just looks like there's this young group of guys coming in, and they all look pretty close and all that, mm. and they just don't need distractions at the moment, I think. So they just need to keep flying. What I'm a little bit disappointed at is... Um, 
he he had a massive last seven games of the year, and I reckon he's, yeah, there was a, quite a bit of value there. Mm. So if they if they did, they backed in Tarrant and tried to yeah and said, all right, we'll support you here and we'll try and get you through because he's got so much talent. Um, if he had been put up in the trade table, like yeah, you could have got something pretty healthy. I reckon like a lot of clubs would have mm. would have been going for it. Yeah, and then you could have maybe use that to get Harley Reid as well. Although I reckon uh, Colby McCulchins, the, who they got with their pick two, is going to be just as just as good as Harley Reid. But yeah, that's the only thing. I, when I hear about all this, I'm like, oh, what could have we got in the last draft compared to now? It's going to be you'd be lucky to get a second rounder probably next mm. next year. Where I reckon you probably might have got a late first rounder um, if we had to put him on the trade table last year. Yeah, I suppose it. Sort of is similar to when Carlton got picked 19 and traded Chris Yaron to Richmond, and I think everyone knew within the four walls at Carlton that hey, this bloke's got some serious baggage. And, yeah. and I know, speaking to some level of insiders, it's a long time ago now, but I don't think Richmond were fully aware of the issues that Chris Yaron had at the time. Gave up that pick 19, which I don't know who that turned out to be, but that's a fairly handy currency pick 19. Um, and then it obviously was all for nothing because Yaron couldn't get on the park at the Tigers because of his issues, but. A very talented player, Taron Thomas. You'd hate to see him completely lost to football. He's still only 23 years old, which sort of shocked me, really. Like, I sort of expected him to be around 26, 27. I know he's a younger guy, but yeah. um, he's just made an impact straight away at AFL level and played quite a few games already. I wonder where he's going to go, Rick. Do you have any ideas? Do you think he'll play local footy? Do you think he'll return to Tassie? Or do you think, mm -hmm. um, you know, wh wh where do you see Taron Thomas's journey? We don't have any info, but what, what, are, you what are you speculating? Uh, I reckon he'll end up going... I reckon he'll go to a side that's just outside of Premier. Like I think he'll get, he's got too much talent. Someone mm. will have a crack at him, or, you know, or try and turn him around. And yeah, he's had that many chances. You say this would be the wake-up call, but hopefully it is the wake-up call. But I reckon he'll go to a club like a Brisbane, that someone that's just outside of Premiership window that'll go. You know what? Yeah, this could be that little bit of icing on the cake to get us over the line. So I reckon he'll go to a top six side. And as I said, I just you're not going to get the currency that you want. Um, that you, North Melbourne aren't going to get the currency that they or they would have got in this draft, I don't think. So you're confident that he will get another opportunity at AFL level? Oh, I reckon he will. Just, look, as I said, these last seven games were unbelievable. Mm. He's he's a top potential top five player in the draft. So mm. I do think he's someone someone will have a someone will have a, 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 back themselves in to, to 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 redraft him. Yeah, very nice. Hey, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but did you get a gander at Gray Morris's top 100 NTFL players at all? Yeah, over the yeah, last no, couple I enjoy of weeks? looking at that. And it takes a bit of courage. I know you do it yourself. It takes a bit of courage to do that. Um, so we can all sit here and go, oh, this person should have mm. gone in, that person should have got in. And I'm sure I've never done anything like this, but you've done it yourself. And you probably get all this back. But so you've got to look at the courage side of um, things to do it. A little bit, and I'll ask Gray, why did he do it? Because you do get yeah. like, oh, I don't know. And I, uh, yeah, why you do it. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it, those things are good, interesting. It's very interesting, and people show a lot of interest in it. But uh, I think you've got to do a lot of homework to mm. um, to really do something like that, due diligence. Like, and I suppose, uh, who in the AFL is it that does it? Uh, Mark, it's sort Chien. of that Mark, Mark Chien used to, then Mark Robinson yeah, now does it. I, they'd put, I reckon they'd put weeks and oh, weeks yeah. and weeks to, to try and get the. Cause I, you always hear them, they get backlash. Why'd you put this bloke yeah. above that bloke? So, yeah, it, it's uh, one of those ones where I just reckon you're going to lose. You're not going to win yeah. when you do these things. Well, even myself, when I do those midway lists, sometimes I'll do three, two, and one after every game. Then I'll look at the stats. Then I'll message, say, 10 to 15 mm. people within the NTFL community and say, hey, what's your top 10? Yeah. And match it up from there and sort of combine it all. Um, but even still, that doesn't keep everyone happy and you're still getting called an idiot when you, when you release yeah. these lists. But you're exactly right. It does take a lot of courage. Um, 
you know, my first reflection when looking at the list was wondering about some of the criteria and what his selection criteria was and whether he was based off just NTFL games or what players have sort of done outside of that. Um, because you've got, you know, like, for example, let me have a look, you've got someone like a Alwyn Davey who was an excellent player um, and was an excellent player at NTFL level for a long, long time. But I just think um, that, that might be a, not a fair for Davey. I was just trying to use an AFL, a player who prominently did his good work in the AFL and, and at Sandville level versus someone like a Johnny Anstess who didn't do anything down south but had nine premierships and, and was what? You know, in your opinion, would have been one of the best yeah. defenders you've ever seen. Yeah, him, him and Weech, I reckon, the last, ten year, uh, last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. so um, really, really tough. Obviously, I'd like to talk to Gray later on about what he sort of had in mind when picking this list. Um, a little birdie told me that they recreated and created this list about 10 times over the past couple of weeks because there was always another name that popped up and it was, well, we have to include this guy. Um, but I reckon, yeah, like you said, mate, it would have been an absolute nightmare. And what I don't like, and one thing they've always been critical of, uh, is people who say, hey, this guy should have been higher or this guy should have been in the list, but they don't have the courage to say who should go out of the list because yeah. if you're doing a top 100, that's all you can fit in. Yeah. Um, and obviously in a small community like Darwin, we, uh, we're a little bit sort of afraid to step on people's toes and say, hey, no, nah, that guy's not quite as good as you've rated him. So. Yeah. I remember watching the footy show 20 years ago, the AFL footy show, the Thursday night one. I think Geelong had the team of the century and Sam Newman said, oh, yeah, great night. I loved it all. But th I think this bloke should have been in. Mm. And I remember Nathan Buckley challenged him and goes, all right, then, well, if you reckon he should be in, who who goes out? And Sam Newman wouldn't you know, wouldn't yeah. answer it. So it's, you can't sit here and go, oh, this this bloke should be in. You've also got to have the answer of you know, who, who should be out. And it, uh, that happens with me picking grand final sides a few times. People have said, all right, then, uh, like, this bloke, you should have picked him. And, I, and that's the first thing I say. Is, all right, well, who would, have, who would he have dropped? And they, yeah. can't, they, can't, they can't give an answer. So you can't go one way, you've got to go the other way as well. No, exactly right. Hey, we do have Dylan Collis coming up very shortly, uh, the Waratah superstar. So we are going to go to a break. We have Trent Melville later in the show. It'll be interesting to get his reflections on concussion. Uh, and, of course, a big lineup after that with Cam Islet, Tash Medbury, Gray Morris and Andrew O'Toole coming up. Stick with us here at SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Kubota. <laughs> You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. This is Jacko. You're in the studio with Ricky Nolan as well. Hoping to be joined by the Waratah superstar Dylan Collis. Dylan, do we have you this morning? Yeah, we do. How are Very good, mate. Hey, Dill, you're one of the rare people who have sat in across the SEN Top End desk for a full show, so it's good to have you back, Dill. Um, we've missed you a little bit, though, after Christmas in the NTFL competition. Where have you been? Uh, I've sort of, obviously, old age is getting to me a bit. Swing me hammy oh, about six weeks ago, and then uh, that sort of helped me out for a bit, and then I had a bit of work down in Perth for a couple of weeks, so I was probably right to come back, but I was I was away with work, so in the end it didn't work out too bad. I was I was right to go once I come back last week, and then obviously lacking a bit of fitness at the moment, but as each week goes by, I should be getting better, hopefully. Yeah, obviously a really good win last week, which we'll talk about a little bit later, or just shortly, but what were your thoughts on Waratah's form after Christmas? You would have been watching the game and keeping track via the live stream, no doubt. Yeah, it was it was a bit up and down the last last couple of weeks before I 
I did get back, we sort of lost our way a bit and were le- leaking a bit of scores. But our side, it, it was, it, we were watching, knowing that our side's looking completely different coming in the in the in the coming weeks. So it was pretty frustrating watching the the Saints game where after half time we sort of um, just just lost our way, and then I was actually flying for the whole Buffs Waratahs game, so I didn't know how things were going to look when I landed, and then. I landed and said it was a bit of a shootout, so it wasn't wasn't ideal and probably could have cost us the top three spot in the end, but last week we managed to get over line by enough to, to scrape in. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of last week, it was a result that surprised a few people in the footy community, but obviously internally, as you said, you would have known that your best team can match it with anyone. You won the premiership last year. Um, that win last week must give you some momentum heading into the final series. Yeah, the t- timing of it's pretty good. We, in, in our heads, it was we wanted to get a win, and whatever the result was in the end, um, scoreline was, it'll, it'll look after itself. But we just need to get back on the winners' board and get get the ball rolling. And then, come three quarter time, when it was because it was such a low scoring game, it was it was a bit easier. There wasn't it wasn't as uh, many goals we need to score to to get the correct percentage to hold us in in third spot, but. Um, no, nah, once once we got over line last week, it was a good, as a relief just to get a bit of form back, and then moving on to net this week. Now I'd say they'll they'll front up with a bit of a different looking team, and ours will look very very similar. So probably got a different scoreline, but it'll be a good game. Yeah, well, you have two wins already against Nycliffe this season, so no doubt that will give you plenty of confidence. I know, given your position, you're just going to have to say yes, but what is it that gives you the confidence that you can go all the way? And you know, surely, has that been spoken about going back-to-back, or is it more about just following the process and, and seeing how it goes? I think Waratah have been the team that sort of slipped under the radar a lot uh, over the past sort of six weeks at least. Um, everyone's sort of talking about the St Mary's and, and Nycliffe's and districts of the world, but now you're in top three, and with playing the team that you have the wood over this year, um, you must have confidence that you can go back-to-back. Yeah, fr- from the outside, people can jump off the bandwagon as quick as they jump back on it. So that side of things we're not too worried about. But I don't know, like Cameo hitting the post in the last quarter could be could set your whole season up. Like it's it's a game of inches, if not centimetres. We had a ball that bounced our way that went through the points in the last quarter that might have bounced through the goals and then we finished fourth and you got elimination final against the clients who we haven't beat this year. So just sometimes the footy footy gods can go your way and things can work out well, but I don't it's gonna be a different look. I'd say they'll have to um I don't think they'll bring up Butcher this week and they'll probably have to throw Nias forward to have a key key forward. So that just changes everything. Nias isn't down back and um so yeah, I'd say they'll they'll look completely different to last week and so we might have to change a few things, but they're pretty hard to score against, which which makes it makes it tough. But then, hopefully, if Nice is playing up forward, we can change that side of things this week. Uh, Dill, Ricky Nolan here, mate. Just one question: What's um? How do you reckon you're looking depth-wise? I always reckon your bottom six is a a fair indication of how you're travelling. How do you reckon your depth is this year compared to um, compared to in your premiership year? Yeah, good day, Ricky. Um, it's Compared to last year, it's, it's a bit hard to compare because I think us and a couple other teams were were very strong. Like we had probably, I think it was 13 blokes with VFL or state league experience last year. So our, our bottom end isn't as strong as it was last year. But coming in this week, I, 
we've got no excuses. This is probably the strongest side as we've had had all year. We'll get a couple couple come back in, um, but probably our our bottom six or seven. Um, it's all all very even, and we don't need. We sort of spoke about this a couple of months ago. We don't need anyone to try help us win a game. We need we need them to do their bit, and we've got a couple of blokes at the moment that are just doing the team thing and sacrificing their own game. And since we've done that, it seems to be helping us look a lot better. So hopefully everyone can stand up this weekend and we get the result we want. Dylan, have you noticed a different kind of energy around the club having already won a flag? Obviously, it's incredibly difficult to win a premiership at NTFL level and it's even harder to go back-to-back. -back. Have you noticed a different kind of energy? Um, certainly wouldn't be disrespectful enough to say complacency or anything like that, but has it been harder to, to get up this season and, and to get motivated than it might have been last year when you were chasing that drought? Probably after last year, you, you go into every game expecting that you should win. Like... Two or three years ago, we'd come up against the Nightcliff and go, oh, hopefully we can give them a run for their money and if we come within a few goals, well, we've gone, we've gone all right. But if we lose to them, it's like, shit, nah, it's, it's the end of the world. Like, what's what's going on? Something hasn't worked. Like, instead of just going, nah, they're a good side, maybe we won't make it today. You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Yeah, hey Trent, do we have you there? Sorry, mate. Yep. Yes. G'day. How you going? Yeah, very good. I was, uh, we had just a couple little technical issues, mate, but very uh, nice to be joined by you this morning. It's been a long time coming. I've always wanted to have a chat to you about uh, concussion, really. That's what Ricky Nolan and I were just talking about. Um, but obviously the recovery process. So you were concussed a little while ago now and, and have been sort of suffering from concussion symptoms for a long, long time. Um, where's everything at at the moment? Um, so, yeah, it has been a while. Uh, back in October 2022, I caught the knock and... Like a lot of us, we probably just think we're going to sit out for 12 days, but um, 16 months on, I'm sort of still dealing with the after effects of that hit. Um, in saying that, though, like I've spent a bit of time down in Melbourne, down in uh, in Cairns, uh, just trying to find out what's going on and, and working, trying to work it all out. But as I sit here now, I'm pretty well symptom-free. Um, it took a hell of a long time, but, yeah, life's a lot better. And, um, yeah, it, it's... Was incredibly challenging, but as I sit here now, I'm you know pretty good. Have you? I sort of spoke to you a little bit about it privately, but have you contemplated a return to contact sports again? Because it's such a scary injury. Like I'm a, I'm a hypochondriac. I'm a sook. I've had four concussions now. Um, my last concussion was last weekend, actually, and and I'm still getting headaches over that. And and when you're at your worst, when you can't sleep and you're dizzy and you can't think properly, you sort of think, hey footy's just not worth it. Like, you've got your whole life to live, you've got everything else to enjoy. Um, it's just not worth worth it at all. But then, you know, I suppose you start recovering and you start feeling good and, and that love of footy comes back. Uh, where are you at with that sort of process? Are you going to look to make a return to footy or is it something where it's like, now nah, after the last 16 months, I just want to get my health back and then, and then that's it? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, I'm obviously very passionate about footy. I love it. I love playing. Um, still... My body's got a lot to give, so it is a, a kind of a difficult one to sort of assess. But um, I think for me, you know, I've retired in my head a hundred times over. But then when you start to see improvement and feel good, you sort of 
think, oh, you know, maybe I can do this. Um, but probably only in the last three or four months, I've sort of uh, began to really hook into the appropriate um, rehabilitation through the guys I met in Melbourne. And I've barely sort of scratched the surface on it. So although it's probably the best thing to move on, like you said, you know, it's just a game of footy and took me a long time. I, I'm just going to keep working through it. Uh, but I, I'm comfortable if, if I never get back on the footy field. I understand that. But... Um, like I said, I barely scratched the surface on it. Um, but we'll see how we go. But, um, yeah, I'm just living sort of day by day, getting better. And if it comes up, I'll, I'll have a look at it. But then again, you know, reflecting on the last 16 months, I'm not sure it's something I want to go through again because it was pretty horrific, to be honest. But um, keep looking at it. But certainly not retired. But, um, yeah, just living in the moment at the moment, trying to get through it. Trent, Ricky Nolan here, mate. Just um, a bit... Some, I'm really interested in this, in all honesty. I... 30, probably 20, 30 years ago, yeah, 30 years ago, it would have been my first game for St Mary's. I was 19, and St Mary's had won about five flags in a row, so it was a hard side to break into. And Shane Ponter, Daniel Ponter's father, would come across and he tried to uh, tried to knock out a player for Wanderers who was a gun, Brett Dukowicz. He missed Dukowicz and hit me. I was knocked out absolutely cold, and I didn't wake up until I got carried off on a stretcher inside the change rooms. Then I end up playing the next week. It was just, I sort of, it was impossible to break into this St Mary's side. I thought, oh, I'll play next week. Now I was running around. And I felt like I was drunk out there. It's just that you look back at it, mm-hmm. and back then I'm not saying it was a badge of honour, but I just didn't want to lose my spot because it was so hard to break into. But I look back at it in hindsight, and it was absolutely ridiculous playing seven days later. Did you? And, then, and as I said, hindsight has just come so such a long way with this now and it's not there was a little bit of a badge of honor you had to play back back in those days but do you was you were you just one concussion or you had several several different concussions and my other second question would you go a couple of weeks without having symptoms and then it would go bad again or was it did you go 6 months of having headaches every single day or would you go would you go a couple of weeks without having nothing and then it would happen again no, so uh, I basically had constant symptoms. So the, the way I describe it is I had the worst possible migraine. Think of the worst migraine you've ever had. I had that for 12 months. So that, you know, maybe oh. you want to live your life like that. Um, and would it come sure good for a week migraine. or so or not? No, never. No, um, never. never. Uh, yeah. So I, And the, the issue I had is I had absolutely no idea how to manage it. Um, and I guess that thing you were saying, like that badge of honour, you know, I, I played, a, I've had, you know, I think about eight concussions I remember where I blacked out. Um, and, you know, I played at a time, back in 2011, I think I started playing senior footy or 2010, I can recall, you know, um, getting knocked out, you know, the old test with the finger, follow my finger and you're backed out there. And I don't, you know, hold resentment or blame anyone for that. That's just what people understood at the time. And we just went back out there because I remember playing in the final and doing that. I, I was desperate to get back on and, I think that's what I'm trying to change now is sort of, you know, it's not a badge of honour. It's probably, you know, to go back out there. I get it. You know, I've been there and wanted to do it. But you don't want to end up like I did. Um, and I've probably failed to manage my concussions correctly over the years just by not knowing what's going on. Um, and I'm sure it would have been a lot worse back when you started. It was, you know, everyone wanted to get back out there and you were weak if you didn't. So um, I think, you know, it's slowly changing and they're going to, I think... Increase those protocols again to make sure you know people aren't going out there. But yeah, um, it's been several concussions for me, and uh, you know I just managed them incorrectly. I think in the past, and that's where I've got to now. So, 
Yeah, I've got a couple of mates. Uh, in, they're NTFL legends from the 70s. They're in their, uh, they're in their 60s or more now. Yeah, I, I won't name their names, but they're, um, they're still living up in Darwin now. And they, they were, apparently, they were, I never saw them play before my time, but they were tough as. And, that, and I just I find them going backwards a lot lately. And I honestly reckon it's got a little... Me and my mates often talk about it's got something to do with their, you know, probably concussions back in the day. Because we just... And as you said, it's not... Um, you're not blaming anyone because the education was just, we just weren't educated you know, weren't educated on this and I just reckon these guys are in their 60s and often see them talking to themselves and things like this and, I'd, and apparently they were, they were hard nuts and they would have got knocked out on the weekend and then played the next week but it's good that that education and, and even yourself bringing it, bringing it to a fall so we, can, we know more about it yeah, so, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, don't play footy. You know, I love it. The benefits of footy are enormous. Like, it's been massive for me in my life. It, it still is. Um, so, But we can have all the good parts of footy without the sort of the brain trauma and, like you said, the, the cognitive decline later in life that you're obviously seeing with some people you know. And um, it's just about understanding it and learning it. Like, I, I had no idea and I had to learn it on my own uh, just by just reaching out to people, finding people to talk to, and it took a lot longer than what it needed to. And it's like any injury, if you learn about it and manage it properly, like they're getting better with everything these days, you know, the outcomes are going to be better and we're not going to have people like Angus Brayshaw who are, you know, retiring at 28. We don't want to see that stuff. The guy's in his absolute prime. So um, it's all about education and not really changing the game as much. You can tweak the rules a little bit. Um, Obviously, they've been, been doing that recently, but... Um, you know, I just want to see people learn about, you know, the right foods to eat, the right people to see, and let's change the conversation and shift our attitude rather than burying our head in the sand and, um, you know, hoping it just goes away because it's not going to go away. No matter what we do to the rules, there's going to be concussions in the game, and, um, but what are we doing to manage it? And that's all I'm trying to sort of uh, share my story because I don't want anyone else to feel the way I did. It was, it was horrible. So, yeah. I think the frustrating part too, Trent, is how concussion is an injury that's a bit of a silent injury. You know, if you have a broken leg, everyone can see you walking around in your cast. But if you're struggling with concussion, um, a lot of times people just expect you to sort of put on a brave face and it's hard to tell um, just how bad someone's suffering. And I think another one too is just how different the experiences can can differ from one another. So I've had a couple of concussions um, myself. Obviously, I reached out to you during the week um, having some effects from a concussion that I sustained last Saturday. And it's one of them tricky ones where... Like, I'm a little bit different in what you said. You had a constant migraine for, you know, months and months. Um, when I had a bad concussion in 2019, I'd have days where I felt like I'm, I'm recovered um, and, and, it, and it felt pretty good. But then later that night, I'd have the worst uh, headache, you know, you can imagine. And it would be like going back to square one. Um, and it was just so frustrating because that gives you the sense like, hey, am I ever going to get better here? You know, I, I thought I was improving and then I just crashed back down again. Um, and that was that was personally such a frustrating thing for me. And even at the moment, you know, I was driving to, to the studio here this morning, I was feeling pretty close to 100%. And now the headache's sort of kicking in a little bit. So... Um, what I want to know is, have many people reached out to you who are also suffering? You've been brave enough to share your story and share your vulnerabilities with, with all the concussion stuff. Has anyone um, hit you up and sort of asked you questions? Yeah, several people. Would probably be, oh, At the moment, I'd probably be helping oh, probably a dozen people at the moment through it. Um, and I'm not qualified in anything. It's just about you know, who I saw, you know, the biggest change for me was eating the right foods. I had a shocking diet before um, this happened. Mm. I had to completely change everything. Um, I think I sent that through to you, so it's yeah. pretty extreme. Um, but it's kind of something I had absolutely no idea about. So people have reached out to me, and like uh, you said, 
everyone's symptoms are different. They're like, did you feel like this? And I was like, no, nah, I didn't. Um, so I can't really comment on it. But as a whole, you know, people just don't know really where to go. Um, and that's, I guess, what I'm sort of being able to... Like, the guys I saw in Melbourne, they're able to detect exactly what's going on in your head and why. Um, and these people are fantastic, but people don't know they're around. Um, and neither did I. It took me a year um, to sort of work out that they were there and available. And they worked out exactly what was wrong with me and what was causing the symptoms. So everyone's different, I've noticed, because everyone asked me, you know, why do I feel like this? And i got absolutely no idea. But uh, there are people out there that can work it out and give you the appropriate advice. Um, but just in the meantime, I help people through it and make sure they, they realise that they're not alone. That's the hard part, because like you said, it is invisible. People don't see it. Like, I walk down the street, I look perfectly normal. I really do. I, I talk normal, I act normal, um, and no one could really understand the war that's kind of going on in my head. So, um, yeah, that, that's the whole point of speaking about this is because I want people to understand they're not alone and that they will get through it because it is in, invisible injuries are incredibly difficult to go through. Yep, last one, Trent, because we are a little bit pressed for time. It's been an insightful chat, by the way, but what were your first observations? Uh, and you kind of touched on it before, but when you saw the Angus Brayshaw news yesterday... Um, it's tragic, really. You know, a guy 28, um, you know, having to make pretty serious health decisions, you know, that's that shows that we've got a lot of work to do. You know, this shouldn't really be happening. And I think there was Mark Saddams, Paul Seedsman, uh, Max Lynch, and one other, Paddy McCartan, obviously, all in this same season. So shows us a lot of work to do when, you know, five guys in their absolute prime are having to pull the pin. But... It's pretty courageous by him to do it, you know. Um, I think that the decision was taken out of his hands, but, you know, to be sitting on, a, I think, a five-year deal he was, you know, Melbourne are in a pretty good spot, you know. It would be easy to try and, you know, um, try and stick around and keep, um, you know, pushing and, and finding answers. So it, it's sad to see, but it just shows we've got a lot of work to do. But hats off to him. He's a very smart person. He's going to be successful in whatever he does. Uh, it's just unfortunate he's going to miss the back end of his career, but um, hopefully we start seeing some more change. You know, like I said, I don't want the game to change. I want our attitude to change, just so we don't have people like that. People like myself, I might never play again. So um, I don't want to see that. I want people to play footy as long as they can, enjoy the game and love it, you know, because, and that's important. Uh, that's what really matters, because there's a lot of benefits to footy. So um, hopefully there's some change from it. Very good, Trent. Uh, thanks very much again for sharing your story. You're doing a great job too, I think, why being so readily available to offer advice to people. It's a very scary injury, mate. I've been, you know, I haven't had a heaps of injuries compared to a lot of footballers, but um, nothing can compare to the concussion because you just don't know the healing process. And you're a big help when you uh, got back to me earlier in the week, and I'm sure you're helping out those all the dozens of other people that you've been talking to. So best of luck also with the rest of your journey with concussion, and, and I hope you can reach that, not peace, but you know, do what you want to do, whether that's a return to, to footy or, or coaching or whatever it might be, mate. But really appreciate you giving your time this morning. No, no worries. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks again. Cheers, mate. Plenty more to come here at SEN Fridays in the Top End, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments.
Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Ricky Nolan this morning for breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Ricky, we've had a pretty jam-packed show this morning already, talking to Dylan Collis and Trent Melville. It was great to hear from Trent, wasn't it? Obviously a very good player um, in his prime and someone who made Gray Morris's top 100 players, Cheney medal winner. Um, pretty insightful chat, wasn't it? Yeah, and even we were talking about it. It kept going offline. We kept talking about it. So it's something. I said the. I think the education's just coming now. We were just mm. so naive to, to uh, everything. I just looked where we were 30 years ago. It was just a, uh, what he's missed a game because of concussion. That sort of was uh, the yeah you know, the way that it was. He missed a game because he got knocked out. Like it was just uh, the look back at it was just absolutely ludicrous. So it's good that this uh, education's coming. And also Trent speaking about. It. I I reckon I've read a bit about Trent's story, and I reckon I've educated myself a lot through his story so it's good that he's been able to share it yeah 100 percent uh the last round of the minor rounds was last week in all grades but the men's premier league uh we're looking at it at the moment wanderers 11 7 73 defeated tiwi bombers 8 13 61 so good on the eagles finishing the season with the win but credit the tiwi bombers they've had a really good season this year they've had a much improved season under new coach patrick bowden St Mary's 24-12 absolutely demolished the Darwin Buffaloes 4-10-34. They were just too good for us last week. Pint 12-8-80 defeated Palmerston 3-11-29. And in the last game, the match of the round probably, Waratah with that surprise result over Nycliffe 9-7-61 to an inaccurate 3-12-30. Jaden Magro kicked a couple of goals to take out the Dennis Dunn trophy. I've heard a little whisper. I don't know if you've heard anything, but that Magro may be missing a bit of footy in the next sort of couple of weeks. I don't know how true that is, but that was a bit of pub talk last week. Um, he'd be a huge loss if there was any truth to that rumour. And I must say, it's definitely a rumour. I haven't confirmed or spoke to anyone at all about it. It's just what's always been thrown around at the pub. But um, what well under Magro uh, winning the Dennis Dunn trophy. He missed out last year to Calder, who kicked a bag against Wanderers to overtake him. So good to see Magro get that trophy. He's a handy player, isn't he, Rick? Yeah, outstanding player. Very, very quick. So I'd love to see him. Uh, I reckon sometimes they can cut, cut him off a lot at, just when he's at full forward. I'd love to see him just sometimes sneak up for a minute or two up to a half forward flank and try and lose his man. Because I do think they do look... Um, Look at cutting him off a bit, but he's a, a, an unbelievable... I just can't believe how far he can kick a footy. Yeah. <laughs> I love watching him when he's 60 out, just having a shot. It's unbelievable. It's poetry in motion, him having a shot at goal. Yeah, and he's the player that performs well at rep level. He was also very good again against Essendon uh, this year, even though he didn't get the best on ground on us like he did against South Frio. But a quality player, that's for sure. Um, might just really quickly go through some of the teams that we won't talk about because they haven't made the finals. Palmerston, we've spoken about. Ashton Hams, Best and Ferris. When obviously they have a lot to do in the off season, they'll appoint a new coach, um, and that'll be an interesting process when that arises. Wanderers three wins for the season. Where do you see Wanderers? Obviously, while you were coaching, they were the biggest threat in the in the, out of all the opposition teams. Pretty much, they had a great team, um, and I don't think people give credit to how good some of those Wanderers teams were that come up against St Mary's. Um, where where are they at? at the moment. Aaron Motlop coaching there. He, he seems like a good operator, but obviously a bit of work to do to bridge that gap between the finals teams. Yeah, a little bit. When I look at a footy club, I look a lot of their juniors. You know, their the under-18s folded and their 16s, I think, weren't weren't crash shot. And even though I even looked back at their 14s, I think their 14s were in the Division 2. So it's something that worries me about Wanderers. Probably got to get back into the school, especially back into that um, Baggett community mm. or Coach Ludmilla Primary. 
for quite a while. And there's a lot of, a lot of ta talent there uh, in that area, which they've got a stranglehold of. Um, so a touch what I thought this year they were quite competitive, so they never got, you know, and that's the overall, the whole competition, apart from Palmerston, were very competitive on their day. So it's been a great comp. But, yeah, they're just probably, they've always had good juniors. They've always, they're a club that's always had talent. Um, so you just got to get back getting that talent in. Caught up with people, a couple of Wanderers um, legends back in the day and Brad Cooper and Brad Mawson, Andy Viola, they were up this weekend. I caught up with them on the Sunday and they went to the Wanderers presentation night and they were very boyish. Of, uh, they come up to support their own club and they went to their presentation night and they said, yeah, they had a, present, uh, uh, a presentation on what, what the future of the club, where they're heading, all that sort of thing. So they were... Um, and these are good football brain people, and they were pretty mm. boyish on uh, on Wanderers. And yeah, I think that's the talk: get, get into that Bagot community, get into that area where they've got a, a stronghold a stranglehold, and um, and and get them back playing, and having good competitive juniors because that's where they've come. Yeah, they've never been a club that's flown anyone in, uh, but they've always had you know, extremely competitive sides. Tiwi Bombers a much improved season. Is it more just about sort of building on the momentum they've created this year to sort of hopefully take another step forward next year? Yeah, they look fitter this year. I think they, mm. they changed the Tiwi, the Tiwi uh, time, and yeah, they just I think they've, they've stuck to their morals of you know, if you don't train, you don't play, and yeah, I reckon they've done. And it's been, I can remember Dean Rioli was one of the ones that I was speaking to him and they were getting flogged and they were copping a little bit of heat for it. But it, the the, re, the rebuild started then. I think they've done, they've stuck to their guns and they've done really, really well, Tiwi. I'd love your uh, opinion on what you would do with the Darn Buffaloes and where you see them, but we do need to go to a quick break. So I might see if we can have some time later in the show to sneak that one in, but stay with us here at SEN Top End. Welcome back to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Ricky Nolan for breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Hoping to be joined this morning by Natasha Medbury to chat all things of this round's footy. Tash, do we have you? Yeah, I'm here, mate. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us, Tash. Two really big games of footy in the Men's Premier League, obviously two more big games in the Women's Premier League, but due to time constraints, I reckon we'll focus just on the Men's Premier League at the moment. Um, Southern Districts face Pints in what will be a mouth-watering elimination final at 4.15 tomorrow at TIO Stadium. It is do or die for both of these two teams, which is a bit of a surprise when we're sort of including districts in that category. I think a lot of us had them as the premiership favourites or, you know, up there with the other couple of teams in that premiership favouritism market. But now they are out of the top three, so they don't have the double chance. Should be a really good game tomorrow, Tash. Where do you see this one going? Yeah, I reckon it'll be an absolute ripper. I actually told um, Shannon Motlop after the, his fight game last week that Crocs, he was playing Crocs. He couldn't believe it. had to check the actual score of um, that Waratah's got over Nightcliff. So that was a shock to him. But, you know, he was ready to prepare for that change. I think it's going to be a big test for the Pint guys. But, you know, their first final, anything can happen in finals. And they've got a few, I think they've got about five or six players to come back in after last week as well. But, you know, they, they sort of hit it after playing two pretty easy games hitting, heading into finals, but probably what will help them, I, I feel, is that Crocs had the week off, so their momentum sort of isn't there. Sometimes you like having the week off and some teams don't, but I think Crocs are a team that like momentum, so it'll be an interesting one, but I just think with the experience, Crocs will get over the line. Yeah, it should be a really interesting one, I think. Uh, Pint definitely do have the firepower there. Connor McDonald's fought so hard all year in the ruck and he'll have a big job again with uh, Wyatt Ryan and potentially um, Matt Dennis, who may have a bit of an injury cloud, but see how that sort of 
goes. Uh, but their midfield is as good as anyone. Luke Partington and Lockie O'Brien, both ex-AFL players. Rory Taggart's a, a target up forward, albeit a bit of a smaller player. Um, and then, of course, the Crocs, as we mentioned, Jed Anderson capped off an excellent season with the Best and Fairest Award. Um, Bo Schwartz has been much improved. Jared Brandle was held quiet against the Tigers, but we'll hopefully have a big one for the Crocs. And Nakia Cockatoo could be anything. Could be the type of player that breaks a uh, final apart. I think Matt Johnston's the interesting one. I've heard that he's struggling really badly at the moment with concussion. Um, topically enough, because of, we spoke to Trent Melville recently, but apparently Johnston's struggling pretty bad, and I think um, he was just about the most important cog in that district's midfield. So, um, yeah, if I have to give a tip, I think Pint can cause an upset here, um, but I'm probably with you, Tash. It's probably hard to go past the Crocs in that one. Um, the second game is the rematch to last week, which you don't see very often, um, two teams playing each other in consecutive games, but you're right when you said it was a bit of a surprise result um, with Waratah getting the chocolates last week in the Battle of the Beach. Do you think they can do that again? Yeah, I think they can. When they're on, they're on, Waratahs. And I just think the, the way that they got over Buff the week before, they had that momentum. As I speak about momentum, the, you know, coaches and players love that. And I think Waratahs do have that, that, that momentum at the moment. And also the experience from last year. But again, I think they match up really well. Um, the Tigers ground probably suited Waratahs a little bit more as well. We know Tigers don't always play that well at home, but TIO opens it up a bit more and you know they've both got really both um great midfields and you know when when they're matched up like dylan collis is back i know that he um missed a couple of weeks ago and i think he's their go-to player from half back and sets up a lot they've put him up in the in the forward line but i think that he'll he'll rotate back as well yeah, very good. Should be two really, really interesting games of football. I know that SCN Top End will be covering the Pint versus Crocs elimination game, so good luck with the call there, Tash, and I hope you enjoy the weekend of footy. Thanks, mate. Plenty more to come here at SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Kubota. You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome back to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Ricky Nolan this morning for breakfast powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Hey, Rick, not often do you get to be joined by the GOAT, but we have him this morning, Cam Eilert. Uh, he has joined us this morning. In what sounds like a busy morning for Cam, I hear you're at Officeworks, mate. What's going on there? Uh, morning, Jess. Uh, I've, I've, I'm finished up at Office Week now on my way into work. Oh, yeah. Our printer at work decided to, to play up and make things a little more difficult. So I oh, yeah, had to get in early and get some prints done for some meetings today. Very nice, mate. Is there anything you can't do, Cammy? Um, <laughs> hey, look, you have a big, big game this weekend, a qualifying final against Waratah. It's been a pretty good season by Nycliffe, finishing second on the ladder, um, and, and a season that's sort of taken a few people by surprise. I know there were some sort of big raps on Lee Crossman coming in, but Nycliffe, I've found, have been the team that a lot of people have underestimated this season. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel that the rest of the competition has sort of underestimated you when compared to St Mary's and Southern Districts and, and the reigning Premier's Waratah? Oh, look, I, I think with those three clubs that you mentioned, they deserve every right to be, you know, the, I suppose the front runners and the, and the favourites, I suppose, and, and the leading uh, teams in the competition, and they absolutely are for us. Obviously, there was um, obviously a reshuffle with the, the coaching, uh, and Lee's come in, and, and he's really added a great deal of, of value to the whole football club as a whole, which has been fantastic, and, um, you know, he's a very successful coach 
uh, and a terrific person as well. And his, his ability to attract some real high-quality people and players of the footy club has um, enabled us, I suppose, to be in the position we are. And within our own group, we we had that sort of, you know, that, that self-confidence and, and belief that we had put together a really good squad that would be, you know, very competitive. And, and like any other team, the more you sort of train and play together, uh, the better the cohesion, um, the understanding of each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, um, yeah, it's been a really enjoyable season. And now all the fun stuff really starts to begin. I was going to ask you about Lee Crossman. Everything that I've heard about him uh, has been positive. We spoke to Lee a couple of weeks ago on the show, and he just seems like the ultimate professional and someone that gives you know, plenty of his time and, and commitment to. But I will sort of shift past that because you did cover it a little bit. And let's talk more about some of the players and, and some of the players who have emerged at the club this year. Um, and the one kid that... I think looks like a great prospect, if not for the AFL, definitely um, locally or at state league level, is Adrian Scott. Um, I've heard great things about him, and, and it's easy from an outsider's perspective to watch and see all the great things that he's been doing on the footy field. Uh, who are some of the younger players um, and some of the emerging talents at the club? And, uh, and specifically, have a chat about Scott. Um, he he de definitely have a bright future, doesn't he? He, he's an absolute ripper. He's a, he's a terrific young man, and even just last night, just yarning with him at training. Um, you know, he, he, he's such a you know grounded young fellow, and you know, super respectful. Trains extremely hard, and, and gee, he's got some attributes. And but more importantly, you know, like particularly as you progress through the different levels in whatever sport, like the talent will certainly get you, uh, you know, a long way. But it's also that effort, attitude, and what type of person that will really, I suppose, elevate you to that next level. And, and Adrian Scott certainly got all of that. So it's really exciting to sort of see his growth and development and I suppose the, I suppose the journey for him moving forward in footy and, and just life as well. So, you know, he'll be primed for a, a, a big, you know, final series and he adds so much value to our side. Um, and some of the other fellas that have, have come through and, and, and really making it their own this season, you know, Stanley Cox, who's um, been playing in the rack up forward, you know, a little bit down back. He's been a super contributor for us this year. He's, he's undersized, but he just gets out there and competes and, and as a teammate and, 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 a, and a player, that's all you want from your, your teammates around you is the ability to, to compete for every contest. Um, you know, Tristan Singlipo, he's, he's an absolute dynamo up forward and uh, again, added a lot of um, you know, speed, excitement, that X factor uh, to our forward line as well and, and you know, Peter Politis is playing some really, you know, consistent, good footy as well. So I think, you know, we've got a quite a, a good balance in our side. We've obviously got some more mature players um, that, um, you know, are playing roles and, and providing guidance and support where needed. Uh, but then, you know, that, that mid-tier group of players as well that really sort of drive the club's sort of standard expectations forward um, are going really well in that space. And then the excitement of the, the young juniors coming through is, exciting to see. Cammy, Ricky Nolan here. Um, I could ask a question like what uh, what's this Nightcliff side like compared to the, the side that won three premierships but you're very well media trained so I'm going to stay away from that because I reckon you'll play it with a straight, straight bat. So I'd ask a question more of a personal one. I've just got on your Facebook and uh, and looked at your the date of your birth and it's uh, 30, you're 39 years of age. Um you're still in immaculate condition. You're the hardest trainer I've ever seen. You prepare better than any, anyone I've ever seen. You're still probably in Nightcliff's top five players. 
I just Googled Tom Brady played till he was 44. So that's another five years in you. Do you think you could play for another five years? Uh, how's the body feeling? Um, don't sit on the fence. How you love footy, you live for it. How much longer do you think you can keep playing for? Oh, look, I'll play for as long as I can. And, and I've always said that. This is probably the real question. At what level? That, that That's the challenge. Um, you know, the NTFL... The standard, the quality just gets better every year and obviously the conditions that we play in as well is, is really quite challenging, as we know. Uh, but for me, like my, my three, I've got four kids and my three oldest ones are all playing football at the, at the footy club, which for me has just brought an enormous amount of enjoyment um, and that really inspires me to keep playing as well because I see how much fun they have and as a, as a father just sitting there watching them train or watching them play I've got to do the running for my daughter's under 14s team tonight um, yeah, I, I just love being around you know football and particularly now my kids are all playing and the oldest plays under 14 girls my son's under 12 boys and 8 year old plays under 10 girls and it, um, it, it really I suppose keeps me motivated to keep going um, so in terms of Premier League level look the, the He's a straight bat boy. I'm, I'm really just focused and excited about the next, you know, few weeks for us, um, and we'll put every bit of energy into that. Um, and obviously, you want to keep playing, um, you know, as long as I can, and, and we'll just have to wait and find out what level that's at. Cammy, uh, again, obviously, as Ricky said, you will play a straight bat to this because, um, you know, you don't want to give away too many secrets here. But how are you going to overcome Waratah? So it was a bit of a surprise result last weekend. Is it simply a matter of tinkering with the, the 22 that played last week and getting a little bit more talent in? Or are there any specific things um, that, that you've noticed from last week's game that you'll try and change game plan-wise? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, a bit, we're very disappointed with, um, I, I suppose, obviously the outcome, but just... Uh, you know, there was moments in the game, and, and you, uh, when you play in, I suppose, big games, those those little moments add up and, and can be quite significant outcomes for the game. So we were disappointed in the fact that we had some pretty, um, you know, good looks at kicking goals, and, and we didn't capitalise there. And little things like that just can really change the whole momentum of a game, um, the feeling of the game out there as well. Um, so, you know, we'll certainly rectify that we, we brought in a you know we've got some players that have come in with some extremely you know good experience uh with footies of Lockie Tardru, Liam Buxton and, and Cody Luth who come in so you know they'll add a great deal of you know running power experience skill uh, and just hard work and, and for us if we can you know get you know one percent better collectively you know there's, there's 22 percent um across the whole field so Again, uh, you know, there's a lot happens in a week of footy and it's a mindset thing too. So if the boys turn up with the right attitude and effort between the ears, um, you know, a lot of the hard work is, is done there. No worries, Cammy. Thank you very much and good luck for whatever the next couple of weeks hold. No, thanks, gents. Appreciate it. See you, mate. Uh, plenty more to come here at SEN Fridays in the Top End, powered by Kubota. <laughs> Live on 16.11am, SEN Top End and the SEN app. Welcome to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome back to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Ricky Nolan this morning for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. 
We had a very brief chat, Rick, to Gray Morris about his top 100 players since the year 2000 list. Um, and we keep coming back to it, Rick, but it's something that takes a lot of, a lot of courage to do because of how many feathers you're going to ruffle in the Territory community, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the key word there is courage. It takes a lot of courage to do that sort of stuff. And um, it, it sparks so much interest. Everyone loves talking about it. So, you know, and so kudos to Gray. I know... I've spoken to Vic Ludwig a few times and he keeps getting asked to do the greatest St Mary's team that he's ever had, the best 22 players. And he just won't do it. He just says it'll just cause too mm. much. And he, they've been onto him for, I think Vic's 97 now, but they've been onto him for 30 years. You've got to do your best side ever. You've been, and yeah, I've, I've asked him a few times privately, you know, like, why won't you do it? And he just says it'll just cause too much of a because it's just not worth doing and he just won't he won't do it and then one day he said oh, I might do a side and I'll keep it you know I'll hide it away and then when I pass away it'll be released but I don't, just don't reckon he just knows that it's just it's just not worth doing yeah I think uh, St Mary's historian Rex Nixon's had a bit of a crack and he sort of showed me when I was co-writing the book uh, for St Mary's with him and I told him, I said, look, I'm not game enough to, to put this in there. They'll think that I've made the list and then I'll have a bunch of families on my back. Even writing the book itself, you know, you cop a lot of criticism from, hey, how come this guy wasn't mentioned enough? Or how come you've spoken about this player but not that player and, and my family were here first and stuff like that? It's, it's bloody hard, so... Yeah. Um, look, we're going to get into some of the NTFL Women's Premier League games. Of course, for those who have just joined us, Ricky Nolan's team, the Pint Queen Ants, are sitting very pretty on top of the ladder. Um, the reigning Premiers too, so they've been there and done that. But they're going to face very stiff competition this year with St Mary's. If you look at the St Mary's team, they're absolutely stacked. The most recognisable name, of course, Danielle Ponta, who is an AFLW star uh, in her own right, but coming up and playing for St Mary's. She said last year when we were talking to her on this very show that a premiership with with St Mary's would mean just as much as an AFLW premiership. So she's out there to win. She's not just mucking around out there. She's going to play. And, and the type of player, Rick, as much as um, it might be a bit of a concern for you that I can just imagine lifting in the finals. Um, so they play Nycliffe tomorrow, St Mary's. Do you agree with my assessment about Ponta and that, that she may just find another cog in the finals? And, and where do you rate, where do you see this Nycliffe Saints game going? Yeah, I think with Danielle, and I said it this, like this year, I reckon Danielle's the best player in the AFLW. Now, she doesn't get the most possessions or that sort of thing, but, you know, kicks goals. That, you know, women's football leagues sometimes struggle to kick goals. Mm. She's constantly kicking two, three, four, you know, four goals. Even the final against North Melbourne, I thought she was um, the prelim final against North Melbourne. I thought she was Adelaide Crows' best player. So I said it last year. It's like an NTFL side this weekend. Say Nycliffe Football Club having Marcus Bontempelli yeah. running around for it. That's how that's how big of a big of an, an in it is for you know, her. And they're, they're already a loaded side. So I mean, they're a very very strong side. So they're going to be very very difficult to beat. So speaking of that game, Nycliffe and St Mary's, we both would agree obviously you're in the box seat to have an opinion on this I, I haven't watched a lot of women's uh, Premier League but if you just look at past results it does appear that St Mary's will go in as hot hot favourites um, where are the strengths that Nycliffe have where, where are their avenues to victory here yeah there's pretty strong side they don't go bat like St Mary's side is extremely good they probably don't bat Megan Fogus a very good player through the middle uh, Michaela Ward up forward to, uh, uh, is a very good player. They lost a couple of pretty good players. They, we played against them a couple of weeks ago. It was a bit of a hard game, and we lost a couple of players with injuries long-term, and so did they. Um, so they've lost a, a bit of top-end talent, Nightcliff. I reckon they would have been right around the mark. Losing them probably puts St Mary's in the box seat. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and what makes St Mary so good? Is it simply a matter of they've got the best team on paper or, or are they playing a good style of footy? Are they, do they anything resemblance to, you know, the great St Mary's men's team of previous years? What, what makes the Saints Women's Premier League such a formidable unit? Yeah, I think they're just talent. <laughs> their, their, their talent's as, as good as anyone. So, and then, uh, yeah, the Danielle factor. Yeah, you know, Janet Baird's a, a Palmerston junior, and she, you know, she's been on an AFL this the last four years, and then she goes to a, a club like St Mary's as well to uh, boast them up. Um, Joe Miller was arguably nearly best on ground in the in the rep game. As uh, another you know, very good player, she's uh, down training with Glenelg at the moment, so she's another good player that they'll fly up um, for this weekend. So they, they do have a, a very very stacked side, of course, and. An interesting one to judge in the second game. We've got Waratah versus Darwin Buffaloes. That's an elimination final, 12.15pm at TIO Stadium tomorrow. Um, sort of a tough one, obviously, if you look at the form guide. Buffaloes had a win a couple of weeks ago, a pretty convincing win at that, um, in a really important game, snapped an eight-game winning streak, but sorry, losing streak, but you're expecting a very different-looking Waratah team tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. I think last time I was on this program, Jackson, I said I think Buff's uh, list is very, very good. And I think you said something like they've lost nine in a row or something. <laughs> I think since I said that their their list is a little bit better than uh, the win-loss ratio. And then they come out and they yeah they had some huge wins. to, And everyone thought they were out of the finals. But, yeah, I thought their list is pretty good, Buff's. And, um, but I think Tars, they the same thing. It's just uh, they, they fly a few in. I think girls like Steph O'Brien, she's the best player in the Queensland League. Just a couple of their fly-ins, I think, will be the difference between in, in that game, bringing those girls in. Who are some of the other players at Waratah that um, have had good seasons and, and will have a big role to play tomorrow? Yeah, I think Aggie Singh's been out with a shoulder injury uh, for the second half of the year, and I see that she's named as well. So, yeah, they've... Um, yeah, just they've got a couple more players that they're bringing in this week, and um, I think they should be should be just a little bit too strong for Buffs. But as I said, I thought that they, I think losing nine in a row, I thought Buffs list is a bit bit better than than that. And then I think they've won their last three games, maybe. So. Very positive about the Buffs Women's Premier League team. We were uh, had to go to a break earlier when we spoke about the NTFL Men's Premier League teams uh, that did not qualify for the finals. The Buffs finished in sixth position in the Men's Premier League, two games outside of the finals, as it turned out, plus a whole bunch of percentage. Where do you see this football club at? Obviously, it's a little bit close to the bone with, with me being a, a player and assistant coach there, but what, what do you think if you were to, you know, from an outsider's perspective... Um, what would is there any changes that you would make? Obviously, there'd be a lot. Do you simply not know enough about the way the club operates? Where, where do you see the Buffs as an outsider? Yeah, and all honestly, I haven't watched Buffs. I'll be honest, I haven't watched Buffs as closely as I have I watched men's footy as closely as I have the last couple of years. Um, look, I think the, the top end when, at the start of the year when you see Ryan, Matt, like Ryan Matheson gets 40 possessions every week in the VFL. Um, he was. The, I saw a write-up in the Herald Sun. He was the most sought-after player that, that's been delisted, and then Buffs get him. But I, I don't reckon he turned. He played that well up here. Whether that's the weather and flying up and all that sort of thing, or the disappointment of being delisted. So he probably didn't reach the uh, the levels that he'd been playing at. Mitch Robinson, um, as well, I've seen him virtually win games for Buffs previous years um, off his own boot. Wasn't as good as what, what, what he had. Um, obviously, Baxter Mensch was a big pickup, But, yeah, you looked at that side and it was uh, probably there. Probably need a little bit more depth when, you, when you've got people in, the, in your B grade putting that pressure on you know, from below is probably the, the area that they, they need to pick up. There's always talent there usually coming through the juniors at Buffs. So that's, and, and that's what Wanderers were like as well. 
Um, so that's probably more just a bit more uh, pressure coming coming from their their um, from the uh, from the B grade. And yeah, and as I said, those blokes probably uh, I thought God they're going to be right in the line, you know, the line. Then mm. if they, then if they'd have kept Jed as well, I thought geez, Buster in Premiership uh, Premiership mode there. But yeah, just probably a little bit more depth, a uh, little bit more depth, and just keep nailing. You know, it'd be good to be able to get that Robinson and Matheson, which is it's hard ass to get players yeah. of that quality back. Yeah, I think structurally too, Ben Archard's very important for the Buffaloes. We were a much better team with him in it. Um, obviously, we were a little bit undersized all across the park, but especially in the ruck. And when he came in against Waratah and was able to beat Arnold Kirby in that ruck battle, or at least beat him in the hitouts, um, I thought it was a really good result for, for Buffs, giving first use to players like Mench and Stokes in the midfield um, rather than getting... You know, smashed in the hitouts and then having to sort of play catch-up footy around the stoppages. So, I think it's obviously it's a long conversation to talk about how what's going to propel Buff from sixth position to into premiership contention. I think it does start with a strong off-season, whether that be off the field in finding the resources and, and the accommodation and the job opportunities for potential players to relocate. If you look at Southern Districts, I think they had maybe I forget I'm sort of rattling off names now, but I think it was Jordan Cotter, Matt Johnston, Jared Brander, a whole bunch of players who were top-level NTFL players move up play um, and they've sort of they've got accommodation and, and obviously Shannon Rusk is one of the most well-resourced people in the territory let alone the football community so um, he sort of helps in that regard but I think if Buffaloes can sort of shore that up a little bit more and create opportunities for players to want to move up um, and then also uh, I think it starts with a strong pre-season as well um, we had there was a little bit going on throughout this year's pre-season a few little distractions obviously there was the Jed Anderson factor and whether he would play or won't he but um, but I think yeah getting that strong pre-season like like some of the better clubs um, have been doing in the past years is, is like a good good base um, so we're not sort of catching up when you know when things don't go our way sort of midway through. I reckon you're right there when that's where I talk about depth. I reckon when they played Tars two weeks ago I think it was I watched that game pretty closely and that could have gone either way. Mm. So the Buffs best 22 can match it with absolutely anyone mm. um, but then yeah and, and you were lucky that week you had your best 22 on the park when you don't have your best 22 on the park, then it, then, then it falls away. No, exactly right. Hey, let's talk about the teams that are in the finals, though. Southern Districts are playing Pint this weekend. We sort of spoke really quickly to Tash Medbury about this. Really interesting game for me. Um, I think Pine do have the top-level players to match them. You know, we said Luke Partington, Lockie O'Brien, both ex-AFL players. Stephen Motlop, at his best, is still a very good player. Uh, Connor McDonald faces the big job in the ruck against those two powerhouses at the Crocs. Um, do you think Pint have enough to be able to cause that upset win against Districts? Look, it could happen. I, I was the same. I was absolutely... When I heard that Districts finished fourth, I was mm. bewildered. I just didn't do... I didn't, not that I looked at it that closely. The, the calculations, I wasn't looking at it, that Districts were, would have finished fourth. So... Um, I just rate districts pretty highly. If it had been another side, I reckon points could mm. call, cause a, a boil over. Uh, I just reckon districts are probably their list is going to be you know, better than what than what points are, especially with the, you know, the Matt Dennis, the big full four that they've got, um, Jed Anderson, Cockatoo, like just mm. those names that they're pretty big names. So look, it, it's not it, it could be done. I know points rested. They've got about five players that come in, so they rested some players last week. It, it can be done, but I think it's highly unlikely. I think districts should should have, should have a comfortable win. But yeah, I, I thought if it had been one of the other the other three sides, I, I sort of thought Pines could just have this big day out and mm. you know just they probably only win one final. But I just but districts, I'm just not as confident. Being districts, uh, if it was Waratahs or Nightcliffe, I, I just thought Pines could have done a boil over. But I just don't think they could beat districts. Do you feel that Shannon Rusker 
would be under a bit of pressure to get this win. I mean, obviously it's a failed season if districts go out straight away in the finals, go out in an elimination final, given all the promise that they've had this year. I still think they've got the best list in the competition or right up there if they don't. Um, and, and I know you've spoken previously, perhaps privately, um, to me about the pressure that was faced with St Mary's sometimes when you go through undefeated and then play in the grand final. And it really doesn't mean anything going through the whole season undefeated if you, if you fail at the last hurdle. So do you think there's a lot of pressure on Shannon Rusker to get the job done, at least in this game? Uh, I think all coaches are under pressure this time of the year. I think yeah. it comes in, it doesn't matter what sort of side you've got, whether you're the underdog, you're still, still wanting to win final. I think I worry about with districts is, and I've got a bit of a theory on this, I reckon it's very hard to win... Uh, premierships from third or fourth. I reckon if you look at the history down south, it happens about once every 20 years where a team will come, you know, doesn't have the, the double chance, or come from fourth or fifth and win a premiership. It happens about once every 20 years. In Darwin, it happens once every 10 years. I don't know why. Wanderers did it one year. I think then Buffs did it 10 years before that. So it doesn't happen very, very often, but it does happen a little bit more often than what it does down south. Down south, very rarely does a team come from fourth or fifth to win a premiership. So that's what I reckon they've got against some districts and pints is you can't, you've got to win four games in a row. You can't have, you've got to have an unbelievable run with injuries, you know, where the other sides are getting double chances. They can have a poor day at the office. They get buys going into Grand Sound. One side this week at St Mary's getting a buy. Uh, whoever gets to go straight into the Grand Final is going to get a buy. So it's just very difficult to win a premiership from fourth or fifth. Easier to do up here for some reason, uh, but just very difficult to do. Yeah, perhaps because of how transient the competition is up here and how much the teams change on a week-to-week -week basis. I think Shannon Rusker is a great operator and I think he can get the job done, but um, I would like to see Matt Johnston in the team. I think he's suffering with concussion issues and they're a much more formidable team with him in that engine room. We do need to go to a break, uh, Ricky. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Kubota. You're listening to Fridays at the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End for breakfast. Powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. We have Thoroughbred Racing NT, the best show on sands, Andrew O'Toole. Andrew, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning, mate. Hey, it's been a while. Um, it's good to see you, or good to talk to you again. Um, now, you know me, Andrew. You know we're normally carried by Robbie Hale, who's a bit of a uh, racing enthusiast, and then you've got me, who I wouldn't even know how to place a bet. I wouldn't even know, know the first thing on how to follow it. But you have also, you've always been very, very insightful when you've joined us here at SEN Top End. So I heard there's some, Darwin, some racing in Darwin today, and then there's a bit going on in Alice Springs tomorrow. Can you fill us in with all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Busy weekend uh, in the Territory with uh, four races in Darwin today. <coughs> Only a smallish card uh, here with the four. And then, uh, conversely, a seven-race card in the Red Centre tomorrow as they build towards the first day of their carnival down there, which is the 17th of uh, March. So that's only, what, three weeks away. So plenty uh, upcoming in the Red Centre. But um, we'll have a quick look at uh, Darwin today. Probably my two best on the card are in race two, number five, Bell's Banner one of uh, four in the event trained by Gary Clark, so he's got a pretty good handle on this race, and I thought Bell's Banner might be the way to go. It's $3.70 at the present time. Been racing well and knocking on the door. So race uh, two, number five, Bell's Banner. And uh, in the third, uh, from the Clark Stable once again, Star Spangled Dancer, number five. It's the favourite at $2.80. 
was very good first up in this campaign. We're finishing second, um, narrowly beaten. Uh, if it can um, get the front today from uh, a middle draw of uh, barrier six, I think it'll take plenty of catching. So race three, number five, Star Spangled Dancer. So those are my best two in uh, the top end. If we have a look at Alice Springs tomorrow, as I mentioned, a seven-race card down there. Hopefully we can get the chocolates in the first with number two, Skilton, from the stable of Kevin Lamprick and Yanish Luxeman's been in good form lately. He takes them out here. Uh, Skilton um, uh, comes off a, a decent first-up run this campaign, and this looks a, a race uh, that he can be very competitive in. So in the first, number two, Skilton. Uh, if we uh, move on down the uh, day then to race four, Number six, Mace's Razor, resumes from a spell for uh, trainer Terry Razor Gillette. Uh, Stan Sakos takes the mounts, drawn awkwardly out of barrier 10, uh, but does uh, pro, um, possess plenty of speed. So I think it'll go forward and uh, take plenty of catching. So race four, number six, Mace's Razor. And if we then have a look at race six, uh, number two, Danaher, also from the stable of Kevin Lamprick. Kevin's getting a pretty decent little team around him at the present time. And Yanish uh, Luxeman takes them out here again. Uh, and Danaher, pretty smart uh, conveyance on his day. He's only got um, uh, eight rivals here, and I think he'll, uh, or rather seven rivals, and I think he'll take plenty of beating. So race six, number two, Danaher. They're my best three in Ellis tomorrow. Very, very nice, Andrew. And you are normally very reliable with your best picks. So if you're listening to this show, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be backing Andrew in. So thanks very much for joining us, mate, and good luck with all the racing going on this weekend. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much. NT Thoroughbred Racing, it's simply the best racing entertainment in the Territory. Hey, we've had a jam-packed show. If you've missed any of our chats with Dylan Collis, Cam Islet, Trent Melville or Gray Morris, you can catch up on the uh, on Spotify, hopefully, and, and a lot of different places online there. But Spotify is where I go. Or make sure also that you download the SEN app. Um, that's always it's a very handy app. You can plug it into your car like I do and listen to it. But plenty to talk about. Rick, we have a couple more minutes left. Um, we're going to quickly talk about the other game this weekend, Nycliffe and Waratah. We sort of, again, we spoke about it earlier in the show with Tash Medbury, which is another uh, chat you can find online. But a big game, this one for both clubs, obviously. You've spoken about the importance of being in the top three, and these two teams are both there. So they win this weekend, and they're only one week away from a grand final appearance if they can get over St Mary's next week. Um, Waratah will be full of confidence after last week's 31-point win. They've got a really good midfield, led by Scott Carlin, Lachlan Cassidy, and Ryan Clark have been superb recruits. Brody Carroll's hitting form at the right time. Abe Ankers, Jaden Magro, Arnold Kirby. They've definitely got enough talent to win. Um, and then you look at Nycliffe's team, who, of course, are going to fly into Tardrew, we spoke to Cameron Islet earlier about how they're going to make some changes this weekend. It should be a great game. Do you think uh, Waratah will have that momentum having recorded a win last week? Yeah, it'd be, um, be in I didn't watch the game, so it'd be interesting to see who's in, who's out. That's mm. the bit that'd be coming into it. Nightcliff were flying. Everyone sort of, Nightcliff went to, uh, were probably the form team of the competition. Then, um, yeah, then Tars gone out and knocked them off and knocked them off pretty comfortably. But yeah, so the ins and outs would be interesting just to see, um, I think, uh, Whale Buxton, the big ruckman, didn't play last week, so they'll get him back. So, yeah, it all depends on how many ins and how many outs there are. So that would be uh, interesting. And obviously the coaches aren't going to share nah. share that with us at this stage. So that that's going to be uh, interesting to see ins and outs. We've got about 90 seconds, Rick. Are you a believer that teams can just have the wood over other teams and match up against them? Like, if you look at it, Nycliffe won seven games in a row this season, but bookended were the losses to Waratah. So Waratah 2-0 and against them this year. Do you think, like, are you a believer that not Waratah just have the edge over Nycliffe, or is it just a bit more complicated than that? 
Uh, 100% I reckon that can that can happen but I think less so up here because it's just so transit with the players like, so just Nycliffe may not have had strong sides in on those two games it's, it's a little bit different here than what it is say maybe, maybe down south 100% hey awesome stuff let's really quickly go through some tips so districts and pint I reckon this could go either way but I'm going to go districts I think they might flex their muscle and show that they are still a premiership contender yeah I think districts will win that game Nycliffe and Waratah, another tough one. I'm going to go with Nycliffe to rebound. Yeah, I think Nycliffe will have uh, quite a few wins, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Waratah and the Buffets. Look, I, there's no other way to say it, Rick. I have to go for the Buffets. Um, I think, yeah, it's a tough one there, but winning momentum is good momentum, so go the Buffets. Uh, I think Tars will have quite a few come in from down south and will win comfortably. And we both agree with St Mary's that will beat Nycliffe in the qualifying final. Yeah, St Mary's talent-wise is ridiculous. Yep. Very, very good. Ricky, thanks again for joining us. It was a great uh, show. As we said before, you missed out on any of our chats earlier with Collis, Islet, Melville, Gray Morris or Tash Medbury. Catch up now on the SEN app or check us out on Spotify. Join us next week on Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Have a great weekend, everyone.